listen to the word, have nothing to do with godless myths or old wives' tales. Rather, train yourself for godliness. For while bodily training is of some value, godliness is of value in every way, as it holds promise for the present life and also for the life to come. The saying is trustworthy and deserves of full acceptance. For to this end we strive or toil or labor because we have our hope set on the living God who is the Savior of all people, especially of those who believe. I'm reading this morning from the letter of 1 Timothy. So if you have your Bible with you or a phone or iPad or if you don't have a Bible, there's one right in the pew in front of you. And we're turning to 1 Timothy chapter 4. As we consider family matters today, our focus really was on blended families. And as I said, it's not on the back of your listening guide. I've shifted that some because I want to speak today on the blended family and what it means to be a blended family of faith. Now, I'm not talking about a, a faith as in a church body, but I'm talking about your family that you're in, the family that you deal with. I know that in the room today, there are many who walk through blended families, and that has to do with divorce issues and remarriage. It has to do with adoption. It has to do with foster care. Most, matter of fact, statistically right now, 70% of all Americans have some connection to blended family in their family. That's a, that's a huge number, 70%. Currently, 33% of all marriages are remarriages, and so bringing together blended families. The number of children that are in the foster care is just growing every month. And so the needs inside that, uh, the adoption that has happened and, and just the, the focus on that is so good. And we're, we're so excited that in our congregation of those who have adopted people from, from children from not only here in the States, from, from all over the world and, and the joy that brings and comes from inside that. But we also know that in all those things are issues and difficulties and struggles that, that we go through. Matter of fact, some say that uh, the toughest thing that you go through in a blended family is divided loyalties within the family. What does it mean to have those divided loyalties of what that looks like. That's the kind of the number one factor that blended families and all, all, the, all the areas that I just talked about, and we've kind of put those into blended families today just for the purpose of this sermon, not always in the case. I don't mean to say that at all. But blended families and what we talked about in that, the, the number one difficulty is the loyalty that comes out inside that. Now, along with the financial pressures that come from blended families, along with parenting difficulties. If you're co-parenting with an, an ex-spouse and what that looks like, those are, those are all difficult things. The things that you walk through in, in, in the demands that go through parenting is, is huge inside that. But the number one thing that has been told to us by those who study blended families is that divided loyalties of what we get to. Well, I'm not going to spend our time today necessarily talking about all the things that blended families go through because many of you know what those are. But I want to move us to the understanding of biblical faith inside that. What does the Bible teach us who walk through relationships with blended families on how we can do that with a greater faith? a greater focus on who Christ can be inside our families. And I find this today here in this passage in 1 Timothy chapter 4, and I read for you verse 7 and 8. 
And in these verses, he helps us to understand what it means as we look at this text, as we try to understand the focus of godly living, because that really is what he talks about in this passage. Go back to this passage with me, and let's look at it for a moment. Because in this, Timothy, of course, Paul is writing to Timothy. Paul is in prison during this time. Paul is older during this time. But Paul is writing to Timothy to encourage him. Because Timothy, as a young man, has walked through many, many different issues. He's struggling to be the leader in the church. He's struggling with some understanding of what he's supposed to do with with the problems that arise. He deals with some of that in chapter 2 and chapter 3. And the early part of chapter 4, he's dealing with the, with the difficulty of doctrines that other people come up with. And, and those doctrines that I would say that people deal with sometimes are not so much the doctrines that we have to deal with, but they really are the difficulties of our culture. And he was dealing with those difficulties of culture. So Timothy was right in the mix as most of us are, right? Trying to how, to, how do we deal with these difficulties of culture and what culture says to us about families, fostering, adoption, the struggles in, inside families, blended families families, all those parts of the culture that we go through. And Timothy was dealing with those same cultures, and he was trying to help the church to understand, Paul was trying to help Timothy to help the church understand that they had to go deeper in their faith. And he he gives them these two verses. He gives to us, I think, these two verses that are are just profound. Now, he he says a lot in Timothy, but we can only have the time to, to really look at these two right here. Because as he starts out, as he'll be talking about these doctrines in verse 7, have nothing to do with godliness, godless myths. Now, he's talking, what he's talking about really is the culture in which they live. Because the Jewish culture had to try to to move them away from, from just focusing on Christ. And they tried to move them to the place where they were not, where they were not focused on Christ. And here, Timothy from Paul is, is being told, don't get caught up in the cultural doctrines of the world. Now, some of the doctrines that we will deal with today, there are many. Uh, the prosperity gospel is one of those, that, that God wants to bless you with everything. You're not going to go through difficulty. That is so against the Word of God. The Word of God says we're all going to go through difficulty. Uh, one of the, the greatest things we're dealing with right now in our culture is that idea of, of love wins, that no matter what you do, you're going to spend eternity in heaven. That is not the case. That is not what the Bible teaches us. Only those who are in Christ spend eternity in heaven. So all of us are, are in, inundated with these doctrines that we deal with. And Paul says to Timothy, don't be caught up in all these, all these false truths. And he calls them wives' tales. Now, you, know, you know what old wives' tales are, right? I mean, I grew up in eastern Kentucky, and that was kind of an answer for everything, you know? So uh, if there was a problem, you didn't go to the doctor, there was some wise old wives' tales that tell you what medicine is going to take care of you. And it comes out from, from this wives' tale idea. And, and he calls them silly in, in another translation. The, the idea that there's no, no truth in those. There's, there's nothing that happens inside those. Now, some of us may say, well, there's some truth in some of those wives' tells, you know, and, I, and we can answer some of those. But Paul says, you get caught up in those things and you miss the truth of God's Word. So Paul is seeking here to build inside our families, all of our families, especially those of you who are walking through difficulties of what it means to be in blended families or adopted families or divorced families, all the things that culture tells us about those. Paul has given us good instruction on how to combat those things in our life, but I think it's true for all of us. So look at this word here when he tells us, he says, do nothing with those things, but rather train yourself for godliness. 
For while bodily training is of some value, godliness is of value in every way. So here I want to focus really on what Paul tells us in this passage. And he tells us that one big idea here is that we focus on godly, being godly people, being right people. And he gives us inside that some of the understanding of what that means. The idea where he says, rather train yourself, this word train really is, it comes from the Greek word that has where we get our word gym from. So it, it really is the, the training, the work that we have to do in order to train ourselves to be godly people, that we would put ourselves in understanding of who God is. So I want to answer this morning as we talk about that, these godly values that we're talking about, what are these things, what are these God values that he tells us, because look what he says, right? Why bodily training is of some value. I'm glad he said some value there. That makes me feel better. You know, if he said a lot of value, I'd, I'd probably have to go to the gym some, but I don't do that. So it's a some value. Now, some of you are in the gym, you're running, you, you get that value. Paul's saying it's good for us, but he is saying that godliness is a value in every way as it holds promise for the present life and also for the life to come. So let's answer the question that he tells us, what is this value that's so important for us to know and to be godly people? First of all, godly values are empowering. His spirit, God's spirit, imparts truth and strength to us. That is the godly value that we need to see first and foremost, that godly values are empowering into our life. You're walking through difficulties, you're going through issues in your, in your marriage or as a blended family or in your family as a whole. The first thing that we see in this passage is the value of empowering us. And, and if we were read over back in chapter four, in the early part of chapter four, chapter three, we begin to understand this value that comes from the spirit of God. The Spirit of God in our life that is going to help us with the truth of who God is. That's why he deals with this word doctrine at the end of verse 6. This doctrine that he talks about are the truths that are in our lives. So if we're going to be people, godly people that have godly values, it must come out of not the, what the world teaches you, but what the Bible teaches us. So we don't get to just every now and then hear what the Bible says, but it really becomes something that we just have in our life constantly so that the Word of God is impacting our life. The Word of God is impacting how you deal with your ex-spouse. Your Word of God is, is impacting how you deal with your adopted children or your parents that you have come in to be under their authority and leadership. So the Word of God, as believers, the Word of God impacts our truth from the doctrine that he gives us. So he, and he tells us is this value is going to come out of the training that we get. The word training, as I said, really has to do with the word gym. It, it has the word with, to do with the word strength because training is giving us strength. It's giving our body strength. It's giving us to be able to, to do more with our physical bodies. And Paul is saying that the spirit that empowers us gives us training so that we might be able to confront the world around us with spiritual godliness, with the spiritual training that he gives. I read this and I began to say, how does that really function? Well, I think one way that it functions is the stamina that we have to have. You know, there's, there's times in our lives where we get out of physical conditioning and our stamina goes away, right? I mean, it might be harder to walk up 
five flights of stairs. For some, it might be hard to walk up one flight of stairs because our stamina goes away the, the least we do. After a while, our stamina gets weaker and weaker. And it's true spiritually, and I believe that's what Paul's talking about. The training in their life so that the stamina to live against culture, the stamina to, uh, to withhold what we might hear from someone who is negative or someone who is not a believer that's in their life, we need spiritual stamina to be able to deal with that. We need spiritual stamina to be able to look at those things that are around us and say, okay, I've got to press through this. I've got to persevere through this. I see a couple on this side who's getting ready in a few weeks to head back to North Africa, right? They've been here for a couple of months among us, and they're heading back to a place where there are very, very few Christians, right? That's, that's how many in their area that are believers. So in that area, they have to persevere and have stamina in their spirit. We do the same thing. You're inundated with culture every day. People telling you something different or an ex-spouse being able to say something to you or kids being able to say something or even the, the Satan who gets us because there have been a point in our time in our life where we succumb and maybe you had that abortion that you look back on and you have great guilt from and great struggle with that and God needs to heal you of that and give you stamina to walk through it give you stamina and strength. And that's what he's talking about here. Paul says that godliness, that value of the Spirit of God that comes into our life. What else does it produce? Well, I think this value, if we were to look at the whole passage that we could, the whole, the whole possibility of this book, it also produces in us love. Not just, not just empowering the Spirit in us that is going to give us truth and and strength, but this value is going to produce in us love that's so very important for us. Remember these words that Paul spoke? He said, love is patient and kind. Love does not envy or boast. It is not arrogant or rude. It does not insist on its own way. It does not rejoice in wrongdoing, but rejoices with the truth. Love bears all things, believes all things, hopes all things, endures all things. Remember those words? The value of that becomes real in our lives. The value of that becomes real when you care about other people, when you walk through difficulty. The value of love, how you give that love to a child that's in your home is vital to understanding the godliness that God the godly life that God wants you to live, that value not only of the Spirit, but the value that love. And, and, and he's going to tell us about that. He's going to tell us that that's so important as we give ourselves over to strength, as we give ourselves over to the Spirit, as we give ourselves over to being able to believe and endure in the middle of all the things that we go through. Third value, God values bring us a maturing faith. Bring us a maturing faith. Look what he says. Bodily training is of some value, but God, godliness is of value in every way as it holds promise for the present life and also for the future. Not far over in your Bible, if you just turn a couple of pages to 2 Timothy chapter 1. Again, Paul writing to Timothy in 2 Timothy chapter 1, he says in verse 6, for this reason, I remind you to fan into flame the gift of God, which is in you through the laying on of my hands. For God gave us, that includes us, a spirit not of fear, 
but of power and of love and of a sound mind or self-control. Now, in that, Paul is speaking about a people of God who become godly people who have the value of saying, I'm maturing in my Christian life. I'm growing into what Christ wants me to be. And then look at the end of verse 8 where he says that for this present life and also for that to come, this promise that he gives, it holds a promise. Godly value in your life holds promise of all the things of life. Now, some of you in this room have just forgotten the promises of God. You've gotten so entwined with life struggles, issues in family, broken families, broken marriages, blended families, conflict, all those things that get in our way. Yet this word from Paul to Timothy reminds us that this godly value that he's looking at has at its very foundation all the promises of God into your life. Sometimes we get so forgetful of those things, and we're not going to take the time this morning to walk through all those promises. But if you're looking for a great Bible study to do, just open God's Word and begin looking for the promises that God has for you. What He tells you, just like we read in First Timothy or in Second Timothy chapter one, He gives us not a spirit of fear, but of power and of love and of self-control. Those is what He wants. Those are the things He wants to pour into your life. Now, let's go quickly to this next verse. For he says in this next verse, the saying is trustworthy and desiring of full acceptance. Man, this is the only time in, in the Bible where Paul uses this kind of word, where he says this is, the, this is a thing that is, that is full, that you need to look at. So he tells us, for this end we toil, we labor, we work hard, and we strive because we have our hope set on the living Lord. Now, remember, he just told them that they had these promises, right? And then all of a sudden, he says, this is a, this is a deserving and full acceptance statement here. For this end, you're going to work hard. And the idea here, and he uses that word toil, the idea here is, is just the same idea of, of Adam in the garden. He had to work hard to do it. And we in this room know Life is working hard. You have to do some things. You just can't sit back. And, and, and Paul tells Timothy, and to us, it is going to be the work. It is going to be the striving. That This idea of striving here has at its, at its meaning that when you're running a race, which some of you might be into, and you're running, a, and you're running the race, and it's that push toward the end. That's the word that he uses, that, that striving, that push. There's a goal line. I've got to speed up a little. I've got to go a little bit faster. There's the goal line. I can make it. That's the word he uses right there. So for us who are struggling in life, he tells us that we have to work hard, we have to strive for what's in front of us, then what is in front of us? Because we have our hope set on the living God, who is the Savior of all people, especially to those who believe. This hope that we have. That's what he pushes us to, a hope of our expectations. What kind of expectations do you have for your family? What expectations are there around you? 
He also has hope for this understanding that we are going to be receiving, as he tells us in this passage, this hope comes from the living God, right? The expectations of the living God, who is our Savior. What does our Savior mean? It means he is granting us and we are receiving forgiveness from him. So he wants to come into our life with the hope that he is, and he wants to do the work in our life by bringing down the promises. Our work and our striving is striving toward godliness, not that any of that gives us salvation. But because of who our hope is in, we stride forward, we move. To do what? To live godly lives. To impact your children and your grandchildren and your ex-spouse and the ex-family and everybody you have conflict with in any way so that we are able to influence them because of the godly value of who Christ the Savior is in our lives. I think Paul, in those last words, for to this end we toil and strive because we have our hope set on the living God. If I could say anything to you today, it would be circle that word set. Because when he uses that word set, it's like being able to pour concrete into something and to be able to know that it is, it is firm, it is a foundation, it is, a, it is set in place so it cannot be moved. See, our salvation is set in place by what Christ has done on the cross, not about our problems or how we have failed him or how we have failed other people or how we have failed ourselves. Our salvation is not based on any of those things. Our set of our salvation is set on who Christ is and the fact that he is your savior. He brings healing into your life. He gives you a future and he provides for you the promises that are going to guide you through life and conflict and struggle. And those promises are set on the living God is alive in your life. He wants you to experience him, to know the joy of forgiveness, to know the experience of healing. We're going to sing this song in just a moment that we ended with before I began the message. And it's broken vessels. All these pieces broken and scattered, empty-handed but not forsaken. I can see the love in your eyes rising up to the broken life. You see, as we come today, as we're in this place, as you walk through family issues, God's word says to us very clearly that our focus, our focus has to be on godly living. Living with him so in our lives, changing us, with hearts of love and compassion. But it starts when we bring ourselves to him, when we know our needs and we allow him to heal us.